This podcast is sponsored by Canoe Club. Canoe Club has been one of my favorite retailers for such a long time, so it's a real honor to have them sponsoring the pod. If you're unfamiliar with Canoe Club, it's a retailer based out of Boulder, Colorado that carries brands such as Engineer Garments, Visvim, Capital, Nanamika, Levi's, Orslo, Friends of the Pod, Marnie, Solomon, and Popeye Magazine, and so much more. They have such an incredible assortment, ranging from under-the-radar emerging brands to beloved heritage brands. I had the founder of Canoe Club, Timothy Grindle, on the podcast, which I'll have linked in the description if you're interested in learning more about the retailer. I'll also be showcasing some of my favorite pieces on the Fashion Collective Instagram, as well as in the weekly newsletter. The team over at Canoe Club has been very kind to offer a 15% discount code for all the Fashion Collective podcast listeners. Use code Fashion Collective 15 to get 15% off your next order. Again, it is Fashion Collective 15 to get 15% off your next order. The link to the site will be linked in the description for you guys to head over and check out the assortment. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Fashion Collective. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash fashion collective. Hey, Kelsey. How's it going? Good. How are you? Doing very well. Before we jump into everything, do you want to share just a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah. So um, I work between art and design. Um, I kind of started off in fine art and then um, chose to study fashion design in Chicago and then carried on with costume design and spent a little time in New York working, getting some experience and then moved out here and furthered my education in, um, in fashion women's wear particularly. Um, so yeah, I've just, I've kind of, since going to the RCA, I've s- kind of separated myself solely from fashion design and, um, kind of refer to myself as an artist because, a lot of the work that I do involves like heavy textile work. So it, it ends up being quite sculptural. So I kind of, I kind of uh, see myself between sculpture and fashion or sculpture for the body wearable art. Yeah. I noticed that often you describe your work instead of like a piece or garment, you know, such as like a, you know, a typical fashion designer, you often call it studies, which I think is really interesting. It's something I want to get into later on in the podcast. Moving to the first segment, you know, style ethos, you know, how would you describe your personal style? 
Um, so my personal style is super laid back. Um, as we were discussing, like I, I'm a Midwestern, so I feel like I pretty much grew up in hand-me-downs and, uh, you know, that's how I got into making clothes because I ended up, you know, having to size things up to my body and then perceiving them as new. So reworking them in a way where they felt new to me. So I, I think, um, a lot of the things that I wear kind of exist more in my imagination, which is probably why my work is so much more, um, like imaginative, but, um, yeah, so my personal style is pretty laid back, but my, the style that I work within the space that I create, uh, is more dedicated to nature and I guess the future. Yeah. I mean, if you had to describe like an outfit that you would typically wear well while working, like what are you usually wearing? Like when you're in the studio? Oh man. Okay. So, so I, I just believe in comfort. I feel like it's kind of strange because a lot of things that I make, like there might be some level of restriction, but that all ties into the conceptual aspect of what I'm building or how I'm feeling or, or what, what really, what the, the universe at the work revolves around. So there might be restriction, like in terms of your arms or your legs or, or maybe the ability your actual full function of your hips. So when I'm working, I like to feel almost free, not naked, but free. So um, it's very baggy. It's, it's oversized. It's, it's, it's layered because I, sometimes when I'm doing these iterations or studies um, I, and I'm feeling, and I'm thinking, I get, I get kind of maybe like tense sometimes. And maybe I'm holding anxiety because I'm like really, embodying what I'm creating. And then I I have to start taking things off. Sometimes I'll start working and I'll have one sleeve on, and then I have to take the other one off, but like the, the blouse is still on me or the t-shirt. Um, I don't really know. I think it's, it's something that I've never really analyzed, but this is like a really good thing for me to look into because I, I have noticed that the way that I work, my outfit changes through the entire process because of, of my own body temperature. Does that, does that kind of resonate? Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. You know, moving to the next segment, what are you currently obsessed with? Like, what are you been into lately? This could be books, music, TV shows, films, food, you know, what are you been into? So I'm like really into kind of like the sci-fi. Like, I mean, I, I like, like I said, I grew up in um, the Midwest. I, I was born in Detroit and raised in like the middle of the, the woods, quite literally neighbors weren't super nearby, but everybody, it was kind of more like a community, but I spent a lot of time um, in the woods where I would just escape. And I remember as a little girl, my mom would say like, uh, you know, follow the sun and it'll guide you home because the house was always west of the woods that I was traveling in. Um, <laughs> probably, I don't, I don't know, like kind of a unique way to send your kid off into the woods, but it was very freeing. And I think for me, particularly, I, um, I kind of been, as a child, I always, although I, I used my eyes to see what was in front of me, like anyone else, I always imagined kind of beyond that in the forest and, and creating stories or, or like a child who plays dress up or imagines like the people around them it, it, for me like kind of diving into the woods and imagining this space around them was super unique um and i think that's kind of shaped some of the interests that i have today like uh one of my favorite films is maleficent and um like the the idea of the woods and the forest and these creatures coming alive and 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 also the cgi is just impeccable with how much detail they in imagination that they really pulled through 
Um, so that is one of my film, my favorite films, actually. So anything that kind of falls in line with that, uh, there's a, there's a few uh, TV shows. I try to stay away from the TV shows because because of time sensitivity, but <laughs> but um, and and like personal addiction to like getting to the end of something. But uh, yeah, you know, like things like that, I find a deep interest in um, the imagination. Um, but as far as books that I'm reading, I'm I'm not a heavy reader. I I'm actually um very dyslexic. I didn't know about it when I was a kid, but I found out about it when I uh, maybe like three years ago. So it's it's definitely had an impact on my work as well. So to get into you know your journey, um, I would love to just start at the very beginning and just kind of get an idea of like how you were introduced into fashion design. Like how did you get interested in it, um, especially as someone you know like myself coming from the Midwest. So, so yeah, I think I was, I was seven when I learned how to sew on an industrial machine. I was like five when I started draping. So there was a flea market not too far from where I lived, um, maybe like 30 minute drive away. And I, yeah, my mom, we would go there on a Sunday or a Saturday and I would pick up scarves like silk polyester. I didn't really know the difference at the time. Um, and then I had this weird obsession with the prints on them and the, which is ironic because I don't really work with prints now, but, <laughs> but it was for me, it, I think it came down to the texture. And, you know, as a child, I think that sometimes color influences texture. You know what I mean? When you don't really, when something's colorful, like it, it seems more exciting in many ways. Um, but anyway, so I would get this, I would get as many scarves as I could. And then I would drape them around my body and my sister's body. And like, I'm using these technical terms, draping. I didn't know what draping was at the time. It just was like, I'm going to make this pretty on me. And it's, it seemed different than wrapping my shower towel around my body. This felt more, I don't know, beautiful to me. And, um, that was really how I got started is just, um, kind of envisioning beyond the things that I I had been wearing the you know the ripped up jeans and the the grass stains and you know I I remember like having really dirty clothes cuz I spent a lot of time outside um and for me I just would you know sculpt around my body and my sister's body and tie things I, I was doing macrame I didn't even know what it was but I was making things work out of nodding. And then by the time I was seven, I learned how to sew. Um, I really wanted an American girl doll. That was the first thing I sewed. So I made a doll for myself um, out of like denim and pillowcases uh, that my, my mom was, let me, let me destroy. Um, Yeah. And I made outfits for her. And that was, that was uh, the first thing that I made was a doll for myself. Um, Yeah. And then I just started making more like bags. I made bags out of pants and things like that. And I, um, we had like this school fair in fourth grade and I, I tried to sell my bags there <laughs> and, uh, it was really funny. I, um, just like looking back at these, these unique moments. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. And I knew, and then I had a fine art portfolio gra- graduating from high school and I went to a rural high school, um, I'm not sure where uh, in Indiana you went to high school. I'm sure it could have been quite small like mine, though. Um, so I, yeah, I went to a really small high school and I I always knew that I wanted to get away. And a lot of that stems from 
you know, having, um, I guess if, if you want to call it, I, it is essentially a learning. I don't want like saying the word disability, because to me, it's an ability now that I realize the power it's had in my life. But yeah, you know, I didn't know that, that I had this, um, this thing that kind of set me back in terms of my grades. Um, but I, I knew that I was bullied for it. And I knew that I wanted to leave this space so that no one knew who I was, wherever I was going. And so I, I left the state of Michigan and I had an opportunity through my fine art portfolio to study in Chicago at Columbia college, Chicago. And I don't, I had, I had won some gold keys at scholastic arts and writing awards, uh, for my work. And I'm pretty sure that really helped me out, uh, in terms of getting into a fashion program with a fine art portfolio. And, uh, so yeah, I got into a fashion design program. It was my, I was in a BFA program. So it's just a little more credits and you build a collection at the end. You, you have a thesis. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was a total game changer going right from the woods to a major city and, and not really, uh, yeah, I mean, it was it it was one of the most incredible things that ever happened to me. I think, in general, because I learned so much about myself, I learned so much about other people, and I think it just it genuinely just made me a, a better person. It made me more thoughtful, um, and having like more of a circular aware awareness. But it also made me realize how important nature was to me, and I think that because I drew this this deep longing for it, having lived in having jumped from that space to a city, it's, it heavily influenced my work and it has, has since it's something that I'll, I'll never get away from. It's, it's instinctive. Um, but yeah, so, uh, during that time I, I, yeah, I studied in Chicago and then I had some, I had some incredible opportunities, portfolio scholarships. I won awards. I, um, for my work, I, it just, I kind of just took off and people started to believe in what I was doing. And, and it was incredible, incredible life-changing experience for me. I think mostly in terms of me just believing in myself and, and I think coming from such a, a rural environment and in the countryside, you, you, you don't really maybe have all the confidence in the world. Um, you just you can just love something and be truly passionate about it and it propel you forward. But when others start to believe in you, it, it's a game changer. Um, and I, I experienced that in my undergrad. And and from there, I I had an opportunity to study costume design in California for TV and film. And then I came back to graduate in Chicago. And then, yeah, I, I built an, a beautiful body of work and that really sits close with my heart. And then I, I ended up in New York and I was assistant uh, designer and production manager out there for a while. And then I moved to, I moved, I knew I had more work left in me to give. So I left my position to uh, go back to school because I, I, I don't, it was just bizarre feeling like um, New York, again, being another city, and Central Park being the only zone for nature. It wasn't necessarily me knowing that, you know, I needed more nature in my life or whatever that being, because I was essentially going to end up in another city. But um, I think for me, there was this, there's this part of me that I needed to listen to I, that felt like there was more left to give. 
and that I needed to get it out of me because it was, it, it hurt, like something hurt inside of me. So I went back to school. I got into um, Central St. Martin's graduate diploma. First time I had ever left the United States. <laughs> and I, yeah, I, it, Central St. Martin's was incredible. Um, just as a creative community, like no other um, I've ever experienced in my life. Um yeah, there. Yeah, it was it was incredible. Um, but yeah, the program itself pushed me. It was one year. I I made in, I I really really David Capo is the the head of the course, and he David pushed me so far out of out of my comfort zone. It you know it it changed me as a as a creative person, as as a maker, as a designer, as an artist, as 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 a human being, um, as a as a female as well. Like it was, it was a remarkable course for me. And then, uh, with that, with that work, I got into, um, the RCA, the Royal College of Art. And that is where I studied my master's and I just graduated in July. Incredible. I mean, a very long list of achievements. And one thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, often a lot of people who are thinking about going to school for you know, fashion design always wonder, should I do it? Is it worth it? What advice would you give to someone thinking about going to school for a degree in, in design or fashion, fine arts? I mean, I actually really appreciate this question. Um, uh, in the la- in the course of the last few months, the number of students, high school, uh, bachelor's students in, in first year, second year, some of the ones who are choosing their 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 final course and uh, also students who want to go into master's programs. They have been reaching out to me left and right, and I, I really do prioritize responding to them because I reached out to people when I when I wanted to go to CSM. Actually, I reached out to people when I wanted to go to Columbia College Chicago, CSM, and RCA, and um, maybe one person got back to me, maybe, and I think it was at RCA. Um, so, you know, it was... It, it, that that really sucks. So I've been really prioritizing those students because it's important. Like these are huge investments. These are also like, like I told you, or like we spoke about earlier in this in this in this call. Like you you don't really know about your impact on the earth, and that's not something you're going to learn in school. Unfortunately, maybe they maybe they're starting to rework that in the undergrads, but uh, that's not something that I learned about. That's something I learned about from work experience and just like being hyper aware of it. So um, my advice to, to those, depending on their interests, you know, like I, I will ask questions because um, usually I send voice notes, but uh, yeah. So I think my advice to them is to, to really make sure that, that they're passionate because I don't think that I would be in the situation I am if I wasn't as passionate as I am, where it's, where it's it's like I I care more about what I'm doing than sometimes about my my own well being, if that makes sense in terms of in terms of making. And I know that's not always the greatest advice, but it's honest. I think this industry is hard. I think there's there's an incredible amount of talent. There's a lot of people, but you really need to be passionate about what you're doing and and care for 
care for care for what you're doing you need to see you need to kind of see and advance yourself in 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 the future and what you want that to look like because and also with understanding that that may change um because it is it is a very complex industry um and and the one thing about it that's really unique is there's no yellow brick road right like you can't look at someone and be like, okay, I'm going to follow that same path because that's, you know, that's not your path. Like you, you make your own path in this industry and, and you do that through the work that you, you put out there and, and your imagination and, and what inspires you. And, and even more importantly, your ethics as, as a designer, as a maker, putting anything into the universe. Yeah. I think that was perfectly worded. And I think it's really great advice for anyone who's kind of thinking about going down the road of, you know, pursuing higher education, whether that's like, you know, going to school for your bachelor's or wanting to go beyond that and get your master's. Um, so I think that's really, really great advice. Kind of a fun question. As you mentioned, like you spent time in Michigan, you spent time in Chicago, New York, London. What city did you really enjoy their sense of style and just the whole like fashion culture? Ooh, fashion culture. Um, obviously London. <laughs> I mean, I, New York is uh you know you it's it's fashion but it's also super corporate um what i loved about uh chicago is that it's such a, a melting pot of um creatives but it's actually quite heavy in film so it wasn't too far off aside from the climate um to california but what i what i speaking in terms of style it it's 100% London. I mean, the first time when I got here, I, and I'm, I'm walking around King's Cross and I'm just like, my mind is, is blown with the things that I, with, with the things that I'm seeing and how people are expressing themselves. And it's just, it's, it's so freeing because you feel like you, whatever, whatever you may be holding back, like in terms of, of showing the world of how you really are and feel and want to express that through clothing, like, that exists. Like it is, it is what I was, what I used to say is people are unapologetically themselves. And I think there's something so beautiful about that. And, um, it's, it's not necessarily like, oh, I'm verbally un, unapologetically myself. These people embody who they are on the outside that, that it is just, it, it's amazing. And that is something that, that was one of the first things I noticed when I moved, when I moved here. Yeah. I mean, I really love London. I haven't been since 2019, but I plan on going this year. And it's such a great city for anyone who loves fashion. And there's so many really inspiring and great emerging designers coming out of London right now. And I feel like London always does a great job of fostering like a really good environment and growing talent from the UK. So yeah, I totally agree. Love London, but also love New York. Next, I really want to just get into just like your approach to design. I think it's a really interesting and really unique way of approaching it. And I know that you love to play around with different shapes. And I really just love to hear from you, your approach when it comes to design. Yeah. So for me, particularly, I have this, it's, I'm quite obsessive about exhausting material iterations. And it was something that I unpacked um, with my, with my master's uh, body of work that I built. And I, 
had so many iterations of so many things. I mean, hundreds, hun- like I would, I would crank out a hundred in one day there. It was just, and then I'd switch to something, a new like material that I had kind of developed or shape that I had developed. And I I heard once from, from someone that um, just like research, like research is a part of your ar- archive as a designer. You you can continuously go back on it. it. Research never dies, but your ideas do. And um, but one thing that that I learned was that these sculptures that I make, although I can keep, I can have them being a part of my archive, like research, um, I can always rework them, and then they come back alive. And for me, that is something that stuck with me because I was like. Oh, I don't want, like I, when, when I heard that I, I was, I got depressed because I have so many ideas. So I, I kind of keep these shapes that I build and then I rework them repetitively and I call them studies because essentially that's what they are. Like I, I am pushing my, my limits, um, my, my own personal limits to see, to see what I'm capable of, to understand where my boundaries are and if boundaries exist and if they need to exist. Um, and I think that that is really exciting for me um, as a creative in, in terms of experimenting because it always feels like an endless scope. Um, the 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 more the shape changes, you know, the more ideas come. So it's 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 really 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 important to my practice. And I think uh, more traditionally, uh, we, people work typically from two D to three D, meaning that they they illustrate and then and then pattern and then, or whatever, you know, but everything stems from an illustration, but um, something that I started doing at CSM was I started creating iterations in a three-dimensional way and then reworking them repetitively and illustrating over them to kind of envision beyond them. You know, I come from a fine art background. So working with my hands in, in terms of illustration and painting and drawing like that is really second nature to me. So working in this more sculptural space and then coming back to that comfort zone actually supports me innovating in, in really unique ways. And it was something that I kind of unpacked and, and during, and mind you, during this time, I, I learned that I was dyslexic and I, you know, I, you know, this it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of ironic because I didn't know about it. I mean, I, I knew that I struggled, but I've always wondered why I saw things in really unique ways, like, ex- like extreme perspectives and always looking at things differently and challenging them. And, and in, in some cases overworking things, because I just needed to know, I needed to know what overworking was for, for this, or I needed to know what this was underworked and then everything between that. And, um, I think knowing that I'm dyslexic, I'm now able to use um, my dyslexia as a tool to to make me more creative or to influence my work and and understand myself in relation to my work and its complexity rather than um, kind of being shy with it. And there was a time when I was really shy about the way that I worked and in this level of obsession and um I had a really hard time working around others and, and now I don't because I feel quite confident with this like unique gift. Um, Cause that's what it is for me to build in such a way that, that is, um, is, 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 is it, is it now it's in the future. 
and it, it, it all essentially becomes a part of that, that our archive that I spoke about. Dancing with my hands. I didn't know if you wanted to share more about how this yeah. project came to be. Yeah. Um, so that was my graduate work. Um, yeah. So that really stemmed from like me kind of discovering that I had this obsession and like when, you know, creatives, um, some creatives work in a way that, that consumes self, um, where you can spend countless hours in this flow. Um, and this, this flow kind of feels almost euphoric and transcendent in a way that, that you lose track of time and you have no personal needs. And that space is extremely beautiful and sensitive and, and delicate and, and it is a space not to be reckoned with. Um, and so when I get in that space, um, it feels, uh, it, it sometimes feels like I'm living more than I am in the real, when I'm outside of that space. So I, I guess the real world, um, yeah, I, I feel more, more myself there. And I, I realized that that relationship is something worth unpacking. So that is what I spent the year really trying to to figure out about myself, why I exist. And 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 for me, sculpting around the body is is it, it feels so right. Uh, and I, I don't exactly have all the words for it because it's more of a feeling for me. But I titled it "Dancing with My Hands" because. Um, for me, it, it, it's, it's like, I know where things need to go. It's a, and I, I said that in, in my writing for the work, I, I wrote that it's a rhythm of make because for some reason, my hands just know how to make things go a certain way. And maybe that comes from an understanding of working with the female body or, or the body in general, for that matter, um, in such a way. And, and I think as a, as a young woman and as a, a woman in general, um, there's always this, this, this essence of kind of that comes through of creating something that resembles strength. And, um, and, and I, I really do want people to feel strong in, in the things that I build. And I want to build strong shapes that, that make people feel that way. Um, like feel all the things. So even if that's vulnerable, even if that's vulnerable is a, is a form of strength, but all, all these feelings, I want to provoke them because I, I think they're just, they're so empowering. And, and, um, and I, I believe that you can do that through, through shapes. Um, so I, I titled the work, um, dancing with my hands because it was, it was more passion driven for me. Um, and, and it all came from, this space of, of kind of flow, like I was saying, everything about it, even, even the iterations leading up to leading up to that space, I was in flow and, and all of my decisions were extremely critical, but the outcome of that work itself, um, I, it was made up of two sculptures and one garment and the sculptures resonate with the body. The, everything is, is in conceptual alignment with, with the shape of the body. Even when I built the sculptures in, in the form of hanging, I actually built them between two mirrors. So I was seeing them in relation to my own body as I, as I was building them, which was a really unique way to, to kind of go about creating. 
and then and then yeah so it for me what i did was they were made up of over i i definitely think it was close to 2000 pattern pieces i didn't i didn't count because i don't want to discourage myself with a number in terms of like the making side of things knowing how much labor goes into it i try not to focus on it i i know it's hard and that's okay but so um with with that i i actually hand dyed every single piece it was all laser cut and and then I reworked it and um, I French seamed it together and and they were all in uh, inverted French seams. So the, the seam is exposed. And yeah, I think it was more for me the, the, in my undergrad, I, I was learning to make French seams and I always did it backwards and I just couldn't get it right. The French seam goes, the seam goes on the inside, just like any other garment. Um, but no, I would always put my seams on the outside in terms of making a French seam. Cause I was like, I spent so much time on this is perfect. It's going on the outside. And so I've kind of just embodied that with all the things that I make, especially on a, a really complex technical level, I'm going to show the craftsmanship, but for me, particularly because I had so many, I think there were, there's 11 hues of color that were all a gradient ch- change that I dyed each piece into blending into the another, into the other coming back through and around, um, it was really important for me to have the French seams exposed to kind of create that separation between, between these shades because they were, they were blended. So I think I spent 15 hours just dyeing fabric alone. So it was, it it was really important for me to get like everything precisely blended because I was really just trying to show, um, I was trying to show a gradual experience. So for me, the work embodies from lightness to darkness that you are who you are because of everything you've experienced. And I kind of use that to justify my relation, my, my obsessive relationship with the way I make. Um, I am who I am because of everything I've experienced. And, and that is, that is, that is what the work means to me. Has anything changed since you know, leaving school to like now, like in terms of how you approach your work or is it pretty much fairly the same? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's the same. I think when you start to know yourself as a creative and know the way that you, what makes you tick, um, I think it's only, you can only grow from there because you, you have this, you understand a part of yourself that you don't have to question that space anymore. Um, I think that there's there's things worth questioning but you kind of you you trust your you trust your craft and you trust your rhythm and I think that is something that I took out of my experience uh at, with Miami and with this body of work and I think that since then it's it's only just made me more of a confident um maker and you know confident in the space of knowing what how something can be done you know no matter how how much space it takes up, how much volume or how much detail. Like I I know how to build in a way that, that makes the impossible feel less impossible. If that makes sense. I feel really confident in the, at least in the physical space building and innovating on, on a large scale and, and with a lot of detail. As you look towards 2023, you know, what are some of the things that you would like to let people know that you're working on that they can like check out your work? 
um, any projects that are coming down the pipeline? So um, my work is going to be um, on an exhibition. Um, some of my sculptures from Dancing With My Hands will be on exhibition at Vanner Gallery in Salisbury, England. Um, it's just outside of London. Uh, it It's through another another uh, exhibition that I was in in October that that one came through. So I'm really excited for this one. It'll be really, really nice. Um, there was 25 graduate students selected uh, from from like a previous exhibition and and that's that's I was in the selection for that and that was really awesome. So um that and then I have another project coming up which I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to talk about but um it is uh it's it's going to be incredible and it's another one where it's 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 more in terms of passion but it's it's a beautiful project that has a really really strong message um uh, about you know, like mental, physical health and, and about the body and movement and restriction. And yeah, it, it's really, it's, I'm going to be more or less composing for it, which is unique for me. I've, I've had a lot of unique opportunities come through where I'm, I am designing, but I'm also composing, like working with three others um, to really create uh, a, yeah, to create something performative and beautiful in terms of sound, movement, and and the in the fabrication. I, I don't even want to call it a garment because it, it could be something so much more than that, just in relation to fabric and the body. But um I start working on that in, in April. And then there's a few other things, um, but I I I can't talk about them. So <laughs> I signed uh paperwork, so <laughs> But um, yeah, so yeah, it, it's going to be a good year. I'm really excited about it. I've, I, I'm really, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of things in the works. So very exciting. You know, where can the people, you know, follow you to just to stay up to date? Yeah. Um, so Instagram um, is probably the best way. Uh, I actually was hiatus for like three years. Well, through COVID pretty much. And then I got back on and I've just been really using it to share, um, what I'm like, what I've been doing and, you know, it's been really positive. So yeah, Instagram's, Instagram's key. Yeah. And everything will be, you know, linked in the podcast description for anyone who's interested. Would highly recommend checking it out. Kelsey, thank you so much for, for coming on. Oh, thank you so much. It was, it was wonderful. Um, thank you.